Sanchez Hello, it's me, Ryan Lichten. You're listening to Podcast 99. I'm here with Parks Miller. And yes, we watched the movie. We, we've gotten mm-hmm. so many messages and comments and things. Did we watch the HBO Woodstock 99 documentary? Yes, we did. And, uh, you know, rather than putting this up on Patreon, we figured we would just put it out there for everyone. But we think of the first of what seems to be several Woodstock 99 documentaries that are coming. Um I mean, overall, Parks, what did you think just off the top as a whole? Overall, I guess thumbs up, two thumbs up. I don't yeah, know. I, good, I, give yeah. it, I give it worth a watch. Worth a watch. Uh, of course, I'm going to have some gripes, but I think that if you didn't know anything about it at all, it would be a good introduction to it. And I overall, I would say recommend and... You know, HBO, I feel like they generally put out good quality stuff. Right. Well, HBO, yeah, I mean, you can trust HBO, I feel like, you know, as far as putting out a decent uh, product, especially in documentary, in the documentary realm. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, like like you said, it's the perfect, like, just all in one shot. It's not like Podcast 99, you know, where, (laughs) you know, they didn't even... No, it's not as inclusive, but I mean, it is, it's an hour and 50 minutes, which I was appreciative of because I feel as though an hour and 50 is going a bit beyond, say, that 90 minute mark. Right. uh, As far, and so it's kind of, it really does kind of get into, you know, it's almost two hours, so it's kind of a longer feature and it it does allow it to get into some some of the nittier grittier stuff and also i i did think that i appreciated the sort of the the narrative arc of it uh presenting the kind of very extremely late 90s aesthetic uh right. hyper optimism that sort of thing going in and then also having the appropriate sort of throwbacks to 69 and to 94 to kind of set the stage as far as like what Woodstock is to people and then concurring with certainly the most dominant narrative in terms of riots, sexual assaults, looting, fires, and just kind of all the negative stuff at the same time. Uh, I will say that and we can get into that more into detail too as it gets along. Um, but, you know, some people did have fun. I think that's where we are. I mean, we also covered all these negative things, too. Right. But now we're sort of at a point with our survivors where we're finding people that had a ton of fun. And I guess that doesn't quite fit into the kind of sell elevator pitch of Woodstock 99. You know? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's not the story everyone wants to hear. Like, you know, like some of the people that we've talked to, they say when the riots happened, it's like, yeah, there was like maybe like a couple thousand people like like, you know, like I've heard numbers as low as like a few hundred to a couple thousand. I'd say a couple thousand is probably where it's at as far as the people actually doing that crazy shit. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of people. Yeah, like they went and they had their three days of, you know, you know, music and, and all that shit and that's that's something that was kind of left off um 
But that's to be expected, you know. Again, one thing I did like was, you know, I, I thought that there were there's gonna be like this harsh juxtaposition like that we've always said, you know, where it's like you know, you have the idealistic thing with the original Woodstock and then compared to 99 and just how, like, just the disconnect there. But I did like that they were like, well, no, just like we did, where it's like, no, what the original Woodstock was really shitty, too. Like, you know, like, and, and it could be argued yes. mm-hmm. that it was equally as big of a disaster just for different reasons, you know? Yeah, that was a good moment for sure. And, like, and they had some really good footage that I had never seen of the original Woodstock. For instance, like, them carrying a body out in a sleeping bag. Like, that was mm-hmm. that was a big one. Um, for the most part, though, like, as far as the 99 stuff goes, you can find almost all of that footage elsewhere. Like, most of that was from Fox, MTV, Much Music, um, you know, also the official DVD and VHS. Like, I had seen a majority of that stuff before. Um, like, and, and then even some stuff that was in the mystery tape. So, like, they really sourced from all these things that we had found. Um, but there were yeah. a couple good shots. There were some, that, yeah, yeah that, there was definitely some stuff I didn't see. Yeah, like, for instance, um, my favorite one was when they're talking about the mud and being mixed in with the poop from the porta potties, which I'm glad they, they you know, like, they really nailed it. You know, uh, one could almost a, say it's like that. they listened to a uh, 40 plus episode podcast about this, but uh, <laughs> but chose to use samples from the eight episode one. Uh, but, anyways, that, that's I'm like all bitter for no reason. But um, no, there's this great shot where it's like, it shows in between all these porta potties and there's this like disgusting cesspool and these guys are just jumping in it like head first like woo yeah, and like that's that, like the grossest shot of the whole thing that is a really that's a really good shot because it's just right there and so you couldn't get it more perfectly shown that this is poop water right. and not just and not just water water because there was also mud being created from the water system itself so it's not that all mud was poop but there was a lot of but all poop, poop was mud, mud. All, <laughs> yeah so so if you maybe if you were lucky and you were doing the mud shit near just the water fountain maybe you're okay but having that port of footage right next to it it's just really funny because you're like there's no way that it's not that and also it's just really funny that these people jumping in are oblivious to the fact that there's literally just these giant green portas next to them. It doesn't fucking matter. Let's I go. know. Like, dude, if I you stepped know. in a fucking if I stepped in a small puddle of water within twenty feet of a porta potty, I'd be grossed out. Let alone jumping into like a wading pool literally in the center of like a circle of them. <laughs> when like mm-hmm. there's just so like they also show a great shot inside one of them and there's just like a big fucking turd like on the seat along with every, like all oh, the yeah, trash the, and everything. The ins- yeah, there was a lot of it inside the porta yeah and they like zoom in on the poop (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that was really good stuff yeah i mean you know but yeah for the most part like you know and uh, also of course you know they really harp on the limp biscuit thing but limp no one from limp biscuits in it you know so that like there's that uh, aspect i mean who's to say I, i mean there's still a couple that we know of there's a couple other documentaries in production netflix of course announced that they were doing one before HBO even announced that they had one finished, which is funny. There's like this arms race for Woodstock 99 documentaries, but also that's the thing with like, it seems stupid to have so many be made, but that's the thing with streaming is like, you know, not everyone has a subscription at HBO max. So Netflix has to make one. So it's like, Oh, like I can just watch it there. And then Hulu, you know, it's like same, same thing. So everyone's going to, but also I'm kind of excited because you're going to get different shit because you can't have the same people in each one and you can't have the same footage. So, it, I mean, there's also just a competitive market going on in terms of 
stuff like that we saw with the fire fest um and i you know depending if our topic's hot enough you might get that between you know sort of a the streaming battle really is what it is these streaming services will fight for that subscription and viewership um so to me yes there's still obviously fred durst you know that's a big one who, who was not in this one right i was i thought personally and i think this is maybe a you and i nerd thing where when they came out with michael lang and john share interviews to me i was like oh shit yeah me too i was like oh fuck yeah yeah (laughs) i realized that if you didn't give a shit you would barely register who these people you'd be like whoa they're the promoters who gives a fuck but to both of us to be like oh like they got share because it just seemed like this guy had so much blame placed upon him that for him to do an interview i was like damn it seemed it my assumption would be he would just not say anything about and just not participate right and um so they yeah. get him on and Same i mean he Lang. says some he still says controversial things to oh this my day. god dude i mean he has quite a few uh controversial statements still within this i mean he he doubles down on calling fred like a moron or like a yeah a and then at the he end great, blames like, it on man him. word yeah yeah and then he he oh there's a great here's something i learned a little more was about the security because you know we talked about the peace patrol and how lax it was and how incredibly disorganized the whole thing was and uh share says something like we had to get you know qualified security guards and that really wasn't easy and then some source describes that the test was this three hour long test that <laughs> the teacher was just literally giving you the answers just telling you okay mark this mark this mark this so you pass the test um and so Cher also I LOL'd big when he's like we had our most trusted guys at the front gate and there's just literally footage completely negating that you know they're just not we yeah. know that they're not the good guys at the front so he just says a lot of, and he also he's still doing his sort of his politician thing he says there was unquestionably a lot of free water was another great quote of his yeah he'll he'll never Um, ever admit fault he'll never admit that the whole thing was a fucking disaster you know what i mean like and uh you know and just when you thought that the guy couldn't seem like any more of a fucking asshat at the very like you know when they really go in deep on the sexual assaults He's like, I can't help but, you know, be critical of the women that were walking around topless and then complaining that they were touched. He's like, I'm not saying right. they should have been touched. He's like, but I can understand why they were. And like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, holy fuck. Like, do you, That's... okay, first of all, do you know what fucking year it is? Second of all, do you know, like, what fucking even happened? Like, do you even recognize what the question is and how you're coming off right now? And he doesn't give a fuck. Like, just straight up victim blames and he like calls into question the validity of the actual like accusations that were brought to authorities like he's like there's no way that was happening it's like are you fucking crazy you know it's like yeah just when he thought he couldn't get any worse and then lang you know like we always said it's like there's like the mommy and the daddy kind of thing and lang just like classic like you know nice guy like good cop bad cop shit he's just like yeah it's awful like he like kind of just shies away you know he's the peter he's the peter pan the imp i think someone calls him sort of the the fairy of woodstock like the peter pan of woodstock sprinkle the fairy dust or they, Forever they, they child. used a good analogy yeah. of saying that that woodstock itself was magical dust and that thinking oh we're gonna have a festival we just sprinkle our woodstock dust on it and everything will be great and yeah I thought that, that was a good analogy of what perce- i perceived as sort of what maybe the promoters or organizers were thinking in terms of just 
going for shit and it's just not working and thinking, oh, it's like going to be like 69. It's going to be great. A couple other great uh, share quotes was just um, the water was somewhat on the high side. Talking about about the the four (laughs) dollar bottles. Uh, and then doubling down with this was not a poor man's festival. Yeah, which again seems what the to be fuck? Completely against the original Woodstock idea. Yeah. Um, and then also just saying do... it's a miracle nobody got hurt, right. <laughs> which is just very hotly contested. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, except for like the hundreds of people taken to the hospital and the few that mm. actually fucking died. Yeah, but besides right. that, besides all the people that got hurt, it's a good thing nobody got hurt. Is essentially what he was saying. But like like and also they kind of like present Woodstock 94 as being the best Woodstock, which I'd have to agree. Like, they, you know, when they're showing all the 94 shit, it's like the cranberries are playing and everyone's having a good time. And, yeah, it was dirty and muddy and, and hot, too. And people were sneaking in. But, like, God damn, if that wasn't such a good one, you know, and, like, we really worked it out. Like, they, they really kind of harp on 94 as being, like, the best the best one of the three. Uh, so, so, you know, I, and there's something to that. Um, and yeah, stylistically, well, I, the whole thing's edited yeah. really well. I feel like they did some it's, cool stuff, and especially when they absolutely. include like current events, like with Columbine and things like that. That all worked yes, out, you they, know. They bring, and I, and I do say that. I mean, you know, we are doing a podcast, so we are not. It's not a visual medium, and so we're kind of doing our damnedest to paint you this picture through our words in terms of all this stuff. And I, but I will say, watching the documentary. There was kind of like a, oh, yeah, they did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Check, check, check. And then also just being able to actually see the visual in the same time really, I think, helps paint that picture. And I think, for instance, with 94, I think we've talked about this before. It's it's only five years, but it is kind of incredible how much had changed in those five years. Whereas, honestly, everything in the Woodstock 94 doc, like, that festival just looks and feels cooler. Yeah. It feels more authentic and it feels like there's more of an actual sort of passion behind it. And maybe there still sort of was some of this kind of hippie idealism behind it. And they go into kind of the riot girl movements and, and kind of the influence of Nirvana or grunge or certain bands, which, and which also I will say they talked a lot about Nirvana and I wasn't totally with that. Like they, they did kind of make it seem as if everything in popular rock music came from Nirvana. Right. I didn't quite agree with that, but it also did make a good point that at least while Nirvana existed, their influence was to kind of it the the influence of Nirvana certainly the themes of their songs had a much different social message than the themes of Limp Bizkit and right. yeah. Kid Rock. And so they do a good job of when you can actually see the footage of 94 and then see the footage of 99 you're like holy shit so much has kind of subtly changed in five years yeah well and you know lang explains with 94 like they wanted and like share too like they wanted to do like like new meets old so like you did have like fucking santana and bob dylan and fucking you know crosby stills and nash and fucking um you know joe cocker like you like mixed with all of the contemporary stuff and that that's why it was so fucking good and then they're like yeah but with 99 we wanted to just do the most popular shit 
like at the moment and make it way more contemporary. And it's like, that's your fucking first mistake. And I also like that they, that they caught that. Yeah. There was only one female artist on each day, like yes. spread across. Someone said, uh, in the movie, it's like they had a, a quota on estrogen, like that An they had to meet. Quota, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which oh, is and then like, another great share quote where John share quote, where he said, I mean, we had, it had nothing to do with that. We just picked the artist we felt best for it. And again, just, of course you can't, technically refute what he's saying but it's so but it still comes off wrong you know <laughs> like yeah. that, that's that's the whole thing but you know also there's i mean on top of like all of this stuff like they do really harp on certain sets like like kid rock i was surprised got like a lot of screen time but it was screen time in the sense where it's like look at how shitty this guy was but, and all the shit I mean, he was saying he was one of our legends yeah it's know? a legend I yeah like same it was with funny corn. how it was and funny Biscuit. how almost almost of, person by person well, every legend and, episode we did and why and why and jewel um and jewel so a lot of our legends that we picked i think that they noticed for the you know they're picking them too uh no icp unfortunately yeah uh, there wow. was almost no footage of icp no footage of uh, babylon louis kabibi so that's why you gotta listen uh, to the yeah. pod because you get that mr booty man uh you get the <laughs> diaper man Oh well, speak. Um, di- dude, they show diaper men. Did you see the diaper guys? They like, they're, like it, when it's showing oh, crowd right. chats. There's the like diaper guy. Yeah, just not. That's not you, the dude. Diaper, not not Gary Diaper Man Scheider. No, but like diaper people. men. Yes, diaper men <laughs> on the on the streets on the in on the, the mud streets. in the shit mud. <laughs> um, but I will say one another kind of thing that I really enjoyed was that almost any time they showed performance footage. The moment that shit rolled, I knew exactly what the clip was gonna be and <laughs> why they were showing it. So like when they when Offspring when he he's beating up the Backstreet Boys, I knew that was coming. When it's like he's he says the thing about the guys groping, like you you just saw it like the fire, like when the Chili Peppers call out like should we play fire by right. Hendrix, you know the Wyclef. Uh, Star Spangled Banner, the Kid Rock, Monica Lewinsky. So I was definitely nerding out at all the performance footage, like the Dave Matthews titties comment. Yeah, oh, I was you so know, just stoked they showed I was that. Just dude. Like, oh, bam, bam, bam! They're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. So that yeah. was really fun for me to. Totally. I mean, because it's like, I mean, it, it just goes to show that a whole professional team of you know acclaimed uh, you know filmmakers had the same ideas that we did you know and you know mm-hmm. obviously like we can't be like and i mean it's because like no like we don't fucking know if anyone on the team mm-hmm. fucking hurt any of this shit but it's like those things just stand out and why clef set still holds up as like the funniest fucking thing ever it mm-hmm. shows him like I, trying to set his guitar on fire that shit mm-hmm. never gets old yeah and i th- i thought they did a really good job of showing it but then no one commented on how so shitty it was. It was. <laughs> just let you let the audience decide if you think that this version of the Star Spangled Banner is good or not. Also, a really great clip that maybe you had seen this before, Ryan, but I hadn't seen it. And I guess we're kind of spoiling the doc. I don't know. Um, but there's this great where they had this little Jimi Hendrix booth. Oh my thing. god, so good. And yeah. it's and it says Jimi Hendrix <laughs> in huge letters, right? at this little booth and this guy's asking a kid he said who performed star spangled banner at woodstock 69 and the kid's like i can't remember and so it's just the camera's framed <laughs> yeah. where he says he can't remember and literally the answer is above his head he's like, is his and name he goes, jerry 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 i know 
Dude, Jerry, Jerry Hendricks. Yeah. Jerry Hendricks. He was onto something, you know. Uh, uh, so that gave me a that gave me a good chuckle for show. Yeah, and another <laughs> well, another really funny one is Moby, and you know Moby always comes off a little pretentious a, in just about every yeah, so documentary he a, he's in. He gets a lot of interview time. Yeah, well, because it's like, because he's like this enlightened fucking blah blah blah. Like I'm drinking tea and I have text tattooed on my fucking neck, and uh, but but he's talking about like it shows him in the bus, and like this is like so like he he's saying it like like and this is how shitty the festival is. But really, all it does is kind of just show how kind of shitty he comes off because he's sitting in the bus looking at this giant sign that has all the artist names, and he's like, except for his, except he was for mad. his. To be, well, to be fair. <laughs> To be fair, he shows up, he sees a sign with every single act on it, except for his name. I mean, that's yeah, going to be but then he's, but he starts calling out. Yeah, well, but no, then, I would yes, be pissed, but, for sure. But then but he then starts he calling starts, out other bands, and he's like, like, who's Umbilical Brothers? Who, what, Seven Deaths? Like, like he's, he's saying, like, like I'm so much bigger fire. than these people because I haven't heard these bands. Why right. isn't my name on it? And it's like, maybe they left you off because you're they like this. Talking. You know? <laughs> maybe they left you off on purpose, Moby. And then, like... I mean, I... My guess is that it was probably a mistake because of course, honestly, yeah. it's this stupid. It's not this official. I mean, as we know, even the flyer, you know, had Aerosmith and Al Green up into it for you know very close to Sugar the actual Ray, event. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was probably a mistake, but it is funny to see Moby just kind of having a little meh, like yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, um, and, and then, then he gets a lot of talk time too. Yeah. Which. Well, he also says like, you know, then fucking, you know, when he played, which which was the very first night at the rave, you know, and he's like, yeah, we just like we were planning on staying the whole weekend, but we just knew we had to get out of there. It's like, shut up. Like you, like mm. I don't even know that you probably just <laughs> felt like no one there was cool enough. For, but to your standards, and that's why you left. You didn't leave because you were, like, afraid for your safety or anything. None of that shit right. was happening. And that goes back to Cher at the end when he's like, did I plan on that idiot Fred Durst starting a riot? It's like, oh, you mean Saturday? Literally over 24 hours before the riots happened? Like, you're just right. fucking so full of shit, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there was still there was still that Fred blame, and, you know, maybe we'll see if a, a future documentary has him, though I do feel like... I mean that Fred it's definitely the white whale, uh, the in terms of anyone trying to talk about Woodstock '99 to get him to really make another quote about it because of the way that everything went down with him. I will say interestingly they do have Jonathan Davis of Corn, right? Um, and in a previous maybe ten years ago or even longer, I know that Jonathan Davis had kind of sort of thrown Fred Durst under the bus, and uh, so just. In terms of keeping tabs, yeah, he was his this time around. He definitely took a more a pro a pro Durstian stance. Yes, pro Durstian. <laughs> he was he yes. was he definitely was like no, don't blame the artist, and he didn't say anything about Fred right. Durst or anything like that. Right, and um, that documentary where he calls him out, um, and Fred Durst and both and West Borland are both interviewed about Woodstock '99, um, is called Metal: A Headbanger's Journey. Uh, which is mm -hmm. which is awesome, but uh, so that that's what that's from. But yeah, now now it's a little different. Also, it was interesting because Jonathan Davis talks about um, needing to be put on oxygen and having like an IV put in like after he got yeah. off stage because he had he had just like given it his fucking all that he mm -hmm. just collapsed after they were done. And I love that because it's like yeah. yeah, like you guys fucking nailed it. It was like fucking crazy as shit. Yeah. I'm not sure what the timeline of this is, but I worked for a 
a uh, production company that once uh, provided some equipment for corn and on their writer actually he has an oxygen tank at every show apparently great well, I mean that seems uh, like a decent thing to to have you know it's uh, pretty cool like let's just have a bunch of air, a bunch of fresh air. Around. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I think he has some. I think he has some pretty bizarre, rare condition that he needs an well, oxygen tank after he performs or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to see to see Jonathan Davis, you know, and then the kind of the footage and he's kind of and and Jewel the, too, the you know. Wave. Jewel was great in it, and mm-hmm. she she's like, yeah. yeah, like I just didn't know how to connect with these fucking people, and like it was like gross yeah. and gray out, and like Jewel's always, I mean, I just love Jewel, so it's like she was, you know, <laughs> she's always gonna be great uh, in my book. I thought I thought maybe they would have had a race car a race car driver clip because she kind of sort of calls out this so called Woodstock male like in the song, yeah. Um, but I will also say that they did do a good job of kind of i would say sort of the okay boomerness of this whole thing in which the idea that woodstock 69 became this image of all of this optimism the hippie ideal and then how really in a lot of ways it's you take the events of the 70s 80s 90s and just the way that it's sort of as the boomers became older it's just like everyone it's sort of every man for himself you only think about number one but then you're sort of putting this festival back on to be like hey you got you kids need to have your own woodstock so that you know what the fuck is up but also we're gonna charge you out the ass which is something we didn't even do for our own festival and so then kind of scratching their heads like why did it you know why did it happen this way and so it definitely pushed i think it did a good job of pushing there was this disillusionment from this from the 90s generation there was this extreme aggression there was the heat there was the lack of infrastructure and i think it did a good job of kind of putting all these elements together right and sort of describing and like detailing this is the shit show that's going to about to go down there was also great footage of the candle one of the guys passing out the, the candles, candles just yeah so innocently being like we're doing this because of gun violence because of columbine we want everyone to light the candle during under the bridge and he goes and uh here why don't you just take a candle just for coming by and yeah. just tell me about the way the guy says it it's so good it's such good foreshadowing of just here take a candle yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude no yeah i love that that that's a piece of footage that I, that i had never seen um also uh, one clip that i remember very clearly that i had never seen before is when they're knocking down the big sound tower some guys like swashbuckling on it like he has like he's like literally yeah. swinging from it like a fucking pirate ship sail you know yeah. like and it's like whoa what the fuck like it's it's so crazy i did like that they talked about the drummers the the drum stock you know and how that was just yes. kind of like mm-hmm. fueling this this whole thing uh also another thing that they mentioned that we caught as well is during dmx's set you know our big joke was it was like the world record for the most white people saying the n-word at once mm-hmm. uh because they're all right, singing on right. and they talk about that and they're like yeah it's like it just didn't seem to phase anyone that like it, you know, they're just, it's just over and over and over and over again. Right. Like this, like, so predominantly, you know, white crowd using the one right. fucking word that a white crowd shouldn't use. Like, I like that they focused on that a bit. Um, another another Woodstock legend whose, you know, footage was included, too. So yeah. I feel like if we if our legend series 
was any indication. I feel like we did a very good job of picking, and then those were the ones that ended up. A lot of those performers ended up. I mean, there even was a little Cheryl Crow too. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, all, all of the like the highlight ones for sure. They showed live for like two seconds for some reason. Oh like, yeah, they do. I was a like, what the fuck live. are you like? What are you gonna get out of this? But uh, I think because I think because live was supposed to represent the rem nirvana's influence i guess it's kind of like they're like the only band that's still like pouring their heart out or something right that and like being sincere i guess whatever yeah it's like dude everyone was fucking sincere there you know what i mean like except for white club john maybe he's the only one that (laughs) that seemed to be a little up his ass um another thing one thing that i didn't really like but then one of the journalists that they interviewed turned it around um it kind of seemed like they were kind of like kissing ass to coachella a little bit at the end because they're like and then just a couple months later coachella happened and like and moby was like that's what woodstock should have been because he played it that too the very first one and like everyone's like yeah and it was amazing and it had like this eclectic group of artists blah 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 and then this one journalist is like yeah but you know what he's like what that is now what festival culture has become is it's still a fucking money hungry thing it's just cleaner so no one complains and literally it's mostly about rich people paying for vip passes to take a picture of themselves literally wearing a pass that says very important person validating the fact that they think that they are a very important person and i was just like dude Yes, like because they were really I mean, kissing yeah, ass for a second, and then this they, one guy just tears that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I had because I actually watched it twice, and the first time I just like sort of start, I was with watching it with someone, so we we're like, "Oh my god, this is a fucking Coachella ad!" But then yeah, I yeah, watched yeah. it, and then I I was like, "Oh, I missed that." They they actually do temper that. Uh, with exactly what yeah, you said. Yeah, and I, I just love what um, that guy said. He's like, it's literally you wearing a label on your shirt that says very important person, so good for you. And I was just yeah, like, yes, yeah. yes. Um, also, there's a great, uh, I think it's just a picture, but it's a picture of, of, or no, yeah, it's like a guy has like a sign and it says wanted tits and acid. And then like, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's a good one. And then uh, yeah. there's a picture of a kid without a shirt on and just written on his chest. It just says, I need acid. I need acid. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, fuck. Uh, like, I, I can't write this on my shirt. So, I'll, like, there's a, there's a really good uh, guy who has the most insane tan. It's because basically he is walking, and I guess his pants are. It's like cargo shorts first off, and then I guess they're sagging because you can see his butt, his like butt cheeks. But there is this hard line yeah. where his butt is so pale white and his top is just crispy brown. And you're like, dude, this guy didn't take off his cargo shorts the entire festival until like the very until this picture was taken. Dude, and total destruction is, in cargo shorts. It's That's- it's so good. Oh, speaking of destruction, a couple. There was great peace wall footage, even though I think I'd seen that before. But also, yeah, that's I think from the, um, Fox, the the one where the guy's I, like, I, I what else are we going to do? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we and you talk about that in the Aaron episode, which is really good. Um, but there's also – it also just, again, just sort of – it's just funny because crashing the wall has always been this big Woodstock thing. And so it's just funny how when it happens with a fence, it's just a little more hippie chill. And then they decide to build a bigger one, and it still gets destroyed. So then it's just these large pieces of wood just – violently falling down so yeah it, it just seeing the whole wall thing 
I mean, that's insane. Also, something I don't think I'd seen is they're in one of these merch tents, and they are, I guess, just shaking the the poles of the tent. Oh, yeah, so I've seen that. That's in the mystery tape. Sh- oh, okay. The tent is shaking so much, it looks like some Looney Tunes shit where, like, Wiley <laughs> Coyote and the Roadrunner, like, go in and it's just it's it, the tent is shaking so violently yeah oh it's also insane. good good shit during that was um that I hadn't, I hadn't really seen was the trucks exploding like mm-hmm. whoa like it is fucking war zone shit like we knew that the trucks exploded but until you see the footage like that's serious apocalypse now shit like to quote uh yeah. anthony Kiedis. like that is like holy mm-hmm. fuck like and um, one of the survivors that we're going to have on, um, you know, in, in the future, uh, he told me that, you know, he, he was a veteran and stuff. And he was like, yeah, like, I mean, that kind of brought me back to like Desert Storm, like just hearing off in the distance, like, boof, boof, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I was yeah. like, yeah, fuck, I can I, can, I fucking bet. Um, but, you know, sure. Lang, um, one thing that that he says, I mean, and then, and then I'm, I'm kind of done with with, with Lang, uh, but. He uh, he's like, you know, we wanted to book the best contemporary music festival. And this is the stuff that contemporary was at the time. And I was like, OK, like, thank you. Like you said it because I always said it's like, you know, it's really not like they purposefully booked all these like insane bands that they had. It's just that was the popular shit at the time. So, you know, you're going to you're going to get a sign of the times, you know. Well, I got. I, I let me say something about that though, and maybe this is how times have changed. Maybe the festival in the '90s was much more of a rock-centered uh, idea because that definitely was one. The Woodstock lineup is one section, but you don't have a lot of pop music. And it, for instance, now all of the festivals completely integrate big pop stars into them. So yeah, that's true. And maybe that's something that kind of has really changed over time, but you really don't have any Britney's, Christina's, Backstreet Boys in sync. Yeah. Well, so, I, think I mean, there's a reason still for that, a very, it's still very like rock centered popular music. Right. I say. Well, I, I think the reason for that, and they, they talk about it cause like, you know, one of the people that they, they have like voiceover from throughout it is uh, Carson Daly. And, you know, like people said that there was so much hate centered around him because, you know, he ran a show that was at the request of people, what the people called in to see. So, you know, if he put on corn, it's like, Oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. They're playing corn. But if he put on Backstreet Boys, it's like, fuck him. He's playing Backstreet Boys, but it didn't have anything to do with him. And I, and they said, mm-hmm. you know, that like there was all this animosity growing towards MTV at the time because you know it had gone from being like from the older brothers to the younger sisters you know with all the pop music that was coming in and I feel like the reason why they didn't have like a Backstreet Boys or any of this pop stuff was because that was such a young demographic that you wouldn't be seeing a lot of them buying tickets to go to a three day festival true you know it's like true. you're not gonna have like a 12 yeah. year old like a bunch of 12 to 13 year old girls with their parents like camping mm-hmm. it was, you know yeah, during all this you know the, the teeny bopper concept but again, and I think something that it was a bit of a, a – I think the funny thing about this whole anti-MTV thing, though, is that they were playing Limp Bizkit and Korn right. on TRL. So it's it, it sounds great on paper to be like, yeah, fuck TRL, fuck Backstreet Boys, but Offspring, too. Like, all those bands were, like, getting the same – boost from Carson Daly exactly so it, it doesn't so it kind of 
I mean, like to me, that's the funnier thing is just that a bunch of idiots who are like seeing break stuff on TRL and then uh, then the next second be like, oh fuck the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, it's like, but, yeah, not, it's like dude, like, come on, yeah. It's like you don't go into a fucking record store and like start throwing all the music you don't like on the ground because they have it, you know? I mean, I guess, yeah, and I guess people do, and, you know, we've talked about disco demolition on our culture dumps, and sometimes it's just the the fact that it exists is is enough enough to piss people off, you know? Yeah, it's like extreme music prejudice. But, um, I mean, that that's pretty much, you know, what I got. Overall, yeah, absolutely gotta, watch yeah. it. You know, I'm excited for the other ones that are coming out, too, because, again, oh, it'll, yeah. it'll be different stuff, you know. Um, and it's There's just, a, you know, it, it's all good for us, you know what I mean? Because then people yeah, get curious yeah. about it. They find out about us. Definitely. And, uh, you know, Definitely. and so that's why we wanted to, to review there this. Was, there, was, there was one thing I didn't know, maybe you did, but the, the Fans Everywhere website that they talked about where someone had started – a Woodstock sexual assault survivors support group after I don't uh, was, I don't know it, it was if mentioned we talked very about briefly not. yeah it was mentioned very briefly um at the end of the doc and I just I hadn't heard of that and so some some woman had started that so that was that was news to me um, right and then the other thing that I just fucking classic Lang is at the they kind of end with do you think there might ever be another one? And he has this little twinkle in his eye. And he's like, maybe, you know, never say never. And I was just maybe. shouting, like, no, no, because then it's like, that's, I was just like, no, you fucking asshole, don't do that. Because also, they're completely just trying to erase the fact that Woodstock 50 didn't fucking happen. Yeah. Well, so they did, acting, they did talk about it, though. They did, they, they had the whole, like, like end of the movie clips of that. But I, maybe they filmed it, all that before all that shit fell apart because you know these things take a couple years you know to make sometimes so maybe they were just sitting on yeah. that and like that's why they didn't have him talking about but also that little glint in his eye might have been him like t- having already had planned it and it hadn't failed yet you know mm, maybe that's what it was I mean there definitely was some interviews from tw- I mean someone was talking about face masks oh also there was a funny clip of a guy holding a face mask and being like in the future this will be worth its weight in gold and i oh, yeah. i know they put that in there just uh-huh. as like a fucking covid <laughs> reference but right but yeah that's, yeah that's all that's all i got yeah yeah but yeah overall it, it was good um you know the the benefit of having like such a mainstream outlet do something about woodstock 99 is that you know, it's it's brought more people to the show. Like we had, you know, Aaron Aaron on our show, who's in the documentary because he was in this. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple like that same clip of him was used on a couple different news outlets. So like that was great. Like we, we have another one coming out. Um, you know, we well we have a, a few. You know, <laughs> coming out, and we wouldn't yeah. have been approached by any of those people had this documentary not come out and kind of kick started the, uh, you know, kick started the whole you know, group consciousness of it all. So yeah, go check it out. Let's talk 99. What is it? Uh, three, like peace, love and rage is the, the subtext on the, on the, on the title. Yeah. It's on HBO max, uh, podcast 99, uh, says, yeah, check it out. <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely. yeah. So, folks, if you, as always, if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99 or know someone that did, contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been here with Parks Miller. We will see you at Woodstock.